This is a KSHSAA production. First down from the 17 is where they mark it officially. Here's Hancock breaks back at the 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Jaden. Down to the other end, misses, shot won't go up the gun, and Eudora comes from way behind and goes crazy. Welcome to another episode of the Cacia Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, fall is definitely upon us, and regional tennis and golf are going to get kicked off in the next few days here, and then state events will be just around the corner. You can definitely tell it's fall because obviously we have some outdoor events going on and regional tournaments that are going to get washed away from some of the rain that I'm looking at right now, but you can always stay up to date on cancel- cancellations and, and new times and dates for those regional events on our website. It'll either be be on the front page in red or, or, or on the sports-specific page to, to keep informed on when those new dates are. We'll also tweet and Facebook uh, to reach people in different avenues. Taking a look at what's ahead on the calendar, we have National Activities Week. It's the 35th Annual National Activities Week put on by the NFHS and the KSHSAA. Uh, it's October 12th through the 18th. And be on a lookout for what your school will be uh, participating in for, for this week. And, you know, like on the 12th, it's Be a Sport Day. And then and the 13th, it's Fine Arts and Activities Day. We have Officials Day, Coach and Sponsors Day to take a step back and really appreciate the people that are involved in activities and, and what they do to make them make it possible. On the 15th, we'll have our student advisory team come in. And that's an advisory committee consisted of a junior and a senior from each classification, a boy and a girl. And obviously, when they graduate, they're... Uh, term on the committee goes off and then we elect new members. Um, What they'll do is they'll come in and kind of discuss with us what the voice of the students are throughout Kansas, what they would like to see get done within the association. And also we'll take them over to WIBW just across the way here in Topeka and record some PSAs that are heard all throughout the state, uh, whether it becomes to an awareness of becoming an official or being a good sport or just the general goodness that activities promotes. That week will also be wrapped up with State Girls Tennis, and then that following Monday on October 20th, we'll have State Girls Golf. A look ahead at what will be on the show. It's a kind of a, a brief show to this this week. Uh, we'll have Brent Unruh here in the office. He'll join us for a sports medicine uh, sit-down as the Sports Medicine Advisory Committee with the NFHS is, is set to meet. We'll preview that agenda with him. Some interesting tidbits to get insight on. And then when we sat down with Brent Maycock of the Topeka Capital Journal to talk about uh, some Northeast and basically uh, the whole state of Kansas when it comes to district football, his predictions, uh, some eight man. And then we also talked about some cross country insights that he has. We'll get things started by previewing the sports medicine advisory committee agenda with Brent Unruh. All right, it's now time to talk about some sports medicine and we have the NFHS sports medicine advisory committee meeting coming up October 11th through the 13th. And Brent Unruh in our office is a part of that committee. He's in his third year on that committee. Uh, So we bring in Brent to talk about what goes on when he goes to Indianapolis during these meetings. Uh, So Brent, what's your role on the committee and basically what's the role of the committee overall with the NFHS? 
Well, my specific role is I represent uh, state associations in sections five and eight, which is kind of the Midwest and the Northwest. Uh, my job is to uh, represent those groups, take any concerns um, that they might have to the committee, um, and then just serve on the committee, you know, with the rest of the members uh, in an advisory role. Uh, the committee exists really to advise the NFHS and the state associations on different sports medicine issues and matters, um, how to handle those matters. Um, another big, a big role of the committee is to obviously just keep up with current you know medical research and how that might impact uh, high school athletics and our high school rules get on the agenda for this 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 meeting and, and basically probably every meeting you guys have um, we look at rules changes that happened since April uh, and so what are you looking at as far as those rules and, and what do you guys look at per sport of what needs to be done as far as sports medicine wise do is we'll look at all of the rules changes that have anything to do with uh, student safety or risk minimization. We'll look at those rules and just kind of evaluate them, um, make sure that they're, you know, obtaining the objectives that we're wanting to out of those rules. And if we feel like there's, you know, recommendations that need to be made for the future uh, with those rules, then we'll we'll make those and then those will go to the, uh, to the rules committees later on when they meet. And one thing that has definitely been a topic of discussion over the last few years and, and rules changes that have affected football and, and, and some other sports is, is the concussion issue. And, and this year on the agenda is kind of review the NFHS Concussion Summit and, and what has been talked about there. Yeah, we'll constantly, um, every meeting we have, concussions are always a big topic and we're always looking at, you know, what what's the most recent information out there? Um, what do we need to do better as a, as a national organization and also at the state level to, um, to handle the concussion situation better? And there was a concussion summit this summer, a meeting of, of several medical and, and uh, school and state association professionals just to kind of get together to, to see what might be, you know, some options for, for the high school level in terms of, of handling concussions better. Um, there may be some information, some new things that come out here in the next few weeks and months that talk about um, limiting contact time, things like that. Those are things we continue to look at when it comes to concussions. And so often we see a concussion may be a result of a head injury and that can lead to a catastrophic injury. And, and one thing that the committee likes to do is is look over the reports of catastrophic injuries throughout, throughout the, the nation and, and also do some injury surveillance as far as how many people are getting hurt per sport. Um, so this will be another big topic for you. Yeah, when we meet, we spend a lot of time just looking at different injury data. Uh, we look at the, the Federation keeps statistics on um, catastrophic injuries. And um, there's also the uh, high school Rio study, which keeps uh, statistics just on injury trends overall um, for all sports, for all body parts. Um, and they keep those trends uh, nationwide. And we spend a lot of time looking at that data and those trends. And if we see things that, um, you know, are, are growing or increasing in terms of injuries, that's where we're going to start looking at the rules of that sport and seeing if, if things maybe need to be changed based on those injury trends. And then uh, one way that, you know, the reason we have these committees with the NFHS is so the NFHS can get a voice of, of the state associations, um, the sections. Uh, Brent represents Section 5 and 8. So next thing on the agenda for you guys will be to listen to the concerns per state. They can bring their topic up to the NFHS Sports Medicine Committee and say, hey, take a look at this. Like, for example, Alabama has limiting the number of games or pitches that a softball player can throw. 
But is there anything that jumps out of you out at you from those things that you're really concerned about as well or, or you think will be a big topic? Well, we spend a lot of time looking at, at different concerns and issues that, from different states. And, and every time we meet, there's there's some different things out there. Um, you know, they're all important. Um, each state has, has things that are kind of at the top of their agenda. And we just try to, to advise them uh, as best we can, give them as much feedback as we can as to how we think those things should be handled. Um, but that's, that's a big role of the committee is to look at the specific concerns and issues from each state and, and try to be a resource for them and provide the best guidance we can. And then another piece of guidance would be when it comes to equipment. We have new equipment getting developed every year, um, whether it be for a prevention or a reactive equipment to, hey, this will help in the future. Um, so there are some lists of things per sport that somebody will come up with with equipment items that you guys look at. What is something you guys look at in each piece of equipment? Yeah, manufacturers are always coming out with new pieces of equipment, um, and a lot of times they're they're trying to sell those with the premise that they're safer, that they provide uh, better injury protection. Football helmets is a good example. Manufacturers can continually come out with um, supposedly you know new and better football helmets. Um, and so we're looking at some of those um, just to, just to get some feedback from the group to see if it's it's something that we feel is is a legitimate improvement that we need to maybe get behind. Um, we have to look at different uh, equipment standards when it comes to um, uh, protective equipment for maybe eye shields for a sport like field hockey or something like that. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of different equipment and a lot of standards we have to continually evaluate and um, just kind of uh, make, make sure that uh, they're doing what the manufacturer claims they're going to do if we're going to um, support that piece of equipment. So that kind of wraps up. There's a lot of things in between there, but those are some highlights of the agenda that the NFHS Sports Medicine Advisory Committee will meet about in Indianapolis October 11th through the 13th. If, if anything big comes out of those meetings, we'll definitely talk with Brent again. Uh, the last thing we want to talk about was on October 27th, we have the second uh, sports medicine advisory committee of of Kasia. Um It's the something that they want to develop here, so we can get a pulse of what's going on here in Kansas. So, Brent, tell us a little bit about how that came about and, and what you guys are looking forward to uh, in a couple. Of weeks. Yeah, like Jeremy said, we're going to be meeting here in a couple of weeks uh, with the Kansas uh, Sports Medicine Advisory Committee, and this is a new group. Um, we just formed it this past year, and it's a group of uh, physicians and athletic trainers and some other uh, medical professionals across the state um, that we're going to get together twice a year and kind of uh, along the same lines as the national group, just kind of sit down and go over, you know, the hot topics um, of the time and see what we need to do as a state and get, get some better guidance from the true medical people who are out there every day um, seeing these kids to get some guidance from them and advice from them as to how we need to handle some of these issues as a state association. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's going to be a really good group. We met uh, last winter just to kind of uh, have more of an orientation and uh, get the group started. But uh, this October will kind of be our first true business meeting. And that's going to be a great asset for this uh, association and a great resource. We well, can be looking for the minutes from that meeting after the a couple weeks after the meeting is complete. And that'll be on October 27th. Uh, we thank Brent for taking the time to step in and, and give his sports medicine expertise and, and the committees that he's on. Uh, it's a great asset to the association and to the state. 
We appreciate all those that come throughout the state to be on our KSHSAA Sports Medicine Committee. We we appreciate the time that they, they put into it and the time out of their day to let people know what exactly is the trend or the growing concerns out there amongst our activities throughout the state. With the fall seasons almost on, being wrapped up here as we get into the playoffs and regional uh, competition, we wanted to sit down with one of our media members, and this week it's Brent Maycock. Uh, Brent, how has the fall season started off for you? And it's almost actually wrapped up. Yeah, we're you know we're about really halfway through everything uh, with especially with some of the uh, the minor sports, secondary sports, you would might call them. Uh, you know, starting their postseason coming up next week. So uh, yeah, we're about halfway through. It's been a busy fall. I mean, it was even a busy summer, just kind of getting prepared for the football season and everything. It seems like that becomes more of a year-round thing with. Uh, more publications doing more things earlier. It just becomes a a, a thing where you're if you're kind of looking at football, you know, starting basically once state track ends, you're jumping right back into football. So I've been doing the football thing for about five months now. I'm ready to get to the meat the meat of the of the season. That's for sure. Well, it sure it definitely is upon us. And uh, I was uh, we talked earlier, and I was reading your blog. Uh, get on uh, cjonline.com and. Uh, prep for success is Brent's blog. A little play on words there, I guess. Uh, but yeah. a little eight-man flavor for us. Uh, you you kind of have some predictions up there on your blog, and, and it looks like you touch on Osborne. They might be prepped to to repeat as state championship. Yeah, you know, Osborne was a, a team. Uh, I got to see them at the state game last year, and, boy, they were just great, loaded with some really good players. And they lost some key players, so I wasn't sure – you know, just how good they would be um, this year, even though I know, you know, Steve Tiernan's a really good coach. He had the off-season uh, summer uh, motorcycle accident, so there was a little bit of, uh, you know, unknown there with would he be back on the sideline at some point this year? Would it just be uh, the assistant coach taking over full-time? And, and how would the team and the community respond to that so far? Uh, maybe they've been one of the most impressive eight-man teams in the state this year. They picked off some early wins against Thunder Ridge and Beloit St. John's, who are two teams I think will be very much in the hunt of uh, of the championship for Division Two this year. So, yeah, Osborne has been a, a great team this year, and and uh, they have to be uh, say that way because their district in in Division One is by far the toughest one in that classification. You've got Hanover, which is a always a good team over here in the Twin Valley League. They've moved up to Division One this year and, and you know those two are going to be knocking heads just to just to win the district. And then you have, you know, Lakeside went into district play undefeated. Rock Hills was undefeated at one point. Wakefield has one loss. Cliff and Clyde's a program they're having a tough year this year, but um they're perennially a good team. They were in the semifinals last year and Lincoln went in uh, undefeated into district play. So you know that that district right there is just loaded with really, really good teams. And, but I think Hanover and Osborne are the two class of that district. I have them, you know, ranked number one and three in the state, respectively. Do you see anybody that, and it might be from that same district, maybe the runner-up in the district that is maybe not a district champion, but a kind of a Cinderella story there when the playoffs start that could make a push for the state title game? Yeah, you know, I, I actually I kind of fully expect that either Hanover or Osborne probably will make it back out to the semifinals. You know, the one team I think that really could, you know, step in the way there would be a team like Madison that's a postseason experienced team. Uh, they began the season number one but got knocked off by Spearville in the in the first game in a really tight battle. 
But, uh, you know, I, I really won't be surprised if the, the teams that go one, two in that district end up meeting again in the semifinals to, uh, to make it to the state championship game. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to keep a close eye on that eight man race. Uh, moving on to a two, some two one A districts, uh, you, you put in here that uh, it's kind of an easy call. We have another tough district in the two one A and, and district six with, with Smith Center and Phillipsburg. And, uh, what are you seeing there? Well, I think it's I think it's interesting because you have Smith Center and Phillipsburg. They've been league rivals forever, knocking heads, and sometimes they've done it on the 3A level, but they've never done it together in the 2A level. This is Phillipsburg's first year uh, as a Class 2A team, and you know they're a team that every year is very very good, and every year seems to be in just a really good district in 3A. Whether it's Smith Center up there with them or Norton, or you know what they've been in with Beloit. I mean, they've they've had some really good teams that really haven't been able to do much in the postseason or in the playoffs or even get to the playoffs just because they always seem to find themselves in a tough district. Now they drop down to 2A and they're still in a pretty tough district with Smith Center and Elseline and Bennington, you know, just suffered its first loss of the year last week. So that's a really good district. I think it will come down to Phillipsburg and Smith Center and another one of those really good MCL games. But, uh, yeah, it's a really good district. But otherwise, you know, Class 2A, it's pretty – you know, each each district seems to have one really, really good team, and then then you kind of search to see which of the other teams will make the playoffs. But I think there are some really good teams, especially in the West in, in Class 2A this year. And, and we always, it's almost a constant, you look for lacrosse to be there. Uh, I know they've kind of been rolling again this year. They've had one close game, I think it was. Uh, but you, Yeah, you they got beat by Southeast Korean. Right, so yeah. um, it, it'll be interesting to see if they can make it back to Hayes. Yeah, and and you know the a lot of the dynamic of Class Two A has changed with Centralia now up in Three A. Colgan has you know stayed up in Three A. You know, so so some of those perennial teams that you always had to kind of fight through on the East side to get to the state championship game are no longer there. So I think teams like Wolpe and Troy and, and Linden are really you know really chomping at the bit to get to the postseason this year because you don't have that Centralia or Colgan there. You know, standing as that monstrous obstacle to try to get over. So, uh, especially I think Troy. You know, I saw them play against Centralia, and and uh, they played pretty well against them for a little while. And Centralia just kind of wore them down. But you know, they've got a very, very good team, and Opie has a very good team, and Linden has a very good team. So I think those, I think those are the three to watch for in the East, and and then on the West, yeah, Lacrosse, Meade, you know, Phillipsburg, Smith Center. You think you know the same teams that you, you talk about year in and year out. And if we kind of move to 3A, uh, one thing I'd like to talk about with you is is, is Rossville. Uh, I don't know if you've been out to see them play yet this year. I know I watched them last year, and I know they returned a lot uh, to this team, and, and they have a couple tough games coming up. They play the, the Centralia, who you've mentioned, who was a power in 2-1A, and now they are the 3A. They play Rossville here coming up, and then, then they'll finish up with Silver Lake, who will that game could decide the district championship there. Um, but but Rossville seems to be at it again this year. Yeah, Rossville, uh, very good. Tucker Horrock, the quarterback, the last year was just outstanding as a sophomore, and this year has uh, been every bit as good, if not better. Uh, you know, I think he's only uh, had like five or six incomplete passes all season. He's rushed for a ton of yards already. I mean, he he's just a truly special talent. And what's more is he's got other really really good playmakers around him, uh, wide receivers and running backs. So. It's, he's, he's 
can be a one-man show, but he's not certainly not a one-man show. And, and uh, yeah, Russell will get a very, very good test this week with Centralia. Like I said, I got to see them earlier this year, and it's a typical Centralia team. They're hard-nosed. They do things well. They run the ball well. They have an outstanding tailback. And Darian Turner, who's kind of just been sitting there biding the time, waiting for his time to shine, and, and he's just been tremendous so far this year. So that Rossville-Centralia game is going to be a really, really good game. And then, you know, yeah, you got to see the finale of the War on 24, Rossville, Silver Lake. I mean, every year it comes down to these two, not just in district play, but in the state semifinals. I mean, it's, it's year in, year out, those two teams. And, and you know, there's some teams on the east side this year that will have a chance to to kind of prevent that again. But I, I, I don't see it. I just think Rossville and Silver Lake right now, I've had them 1-2 in my rankings all season long. And I put Silver Lake 1 because, they ended up beating Rossville last year when it counted in the semifinals to get to the championship game and to go on and have the record-setting performance against Beloit. Uh, and they've been impressive this year. I mean, when you look at Silver Lake, what they've done, they, they beat Holton in, the, in week one. They demolished Perry LeCompton in week two and beat Winfield last week pretty bad. I mean, that's, those are three 4A schools that they've stepped up and, and pretty much you know manhandled. I mean, even the Holton game, they, they were pretty much in control of that game from start to finish. So... Right. Silver Lake, every bit as good as as they have been in the past. Rossville, I mean, that game in the uh, in the season finale is going to be just an outstanding game, and I won't be surprised if we get to see it again in the state semifinals. Well, and look for for Brent's uh, blog, Fred for Success, to preview the the six A, five A, and three A and four A. Excuse me. Uh, one and two uh, predictions as well in the district, and, and one district that we are, are definitely have an eye on here in Topeka is uh, the district of Topeka High, Washburn Rule, Manhattan, and and Lawrence Free State. It'll it's a competitive district, no doubt. Uh, uh, three teams look to are playing really well. Washburn Rule is always a threat to knock somebody off. Uh, you know, Topeka High will play Free State the last game of the year. Um, what do you, what's your prediction going to be like there? Well, I think it's yeah, I think it's a very good district. And even though Washburn Rural is one and four, they certainly have a number of uh, very good skilled players that, if they're in, playing on on really good on that night, they're capable of beating about anybody they play. They they have a lot of talent. It's just they just haven't been able to really seem to get it all on the same page so far in a game this year uh, against a good team. They, you know, they've played some really good teams and lost to some really good teams so far this year, but. You know, Topeka High I, has looked super impressive this year. Now, they haven't beaten many teams that I would call real quality teams this year, but uh, they've gone out and just really destroyed everybody that they played. So it'll be interesting, though, because Walt Alexander, for everything he's done at Topeka High, he's done he's done an amazing job there. I mean, taking that program from where it was to where it is now is just a tremendous success story. But one thing he's never done, he's never beaten Manhattan. For some reason, he has not been able to get over that hump against Manhattan. And Manhattan's undefeated right now. You know, to be behind Manhattan are two of the four teams left in, in 6A that are undefeated. And uh, I think I think the district will be decided by one of those two teams, and Free State will factor into it. You know, they've got three losses. They're two and three right now. The only surprise loss, I, I would say, would be the loss to uh, Leavenworth that they took. But they played a Latham North, who I think number one overall in the state. They played them to a one-touchdown game. They lost to Shawnee Mission East, who I have ranked number two in the state. So those are two really quality losses. And they just play really, really good teams night in and night out. They're not they're not feasting on a bunch of Apaches over there in the Sunflower League. So I think, you know, you've got some real firepower. You lost Junction City out of that district. They're down now at District 6. 
and that was a quality program. I think you replaced them with maybe a team that's even better. So that district is is a loaded loaded district, that's for sure. There are definitely some games coming up for for you people to get out and watch some quality football, especially in this area and the Topeka Northeast Kansas area. As, as Topeka High will play Manhattan in Manhattan on the seventeenth. And then they'll, like I said, they'll finish up with Free State on the 31st in Topeka. Um, kind of switching uh, topics here, we'll kind of move over to the running aspect of the fall. Uh, Brent, what are you seeing out there for the cross country? Any any early favorites for for the taking the state championship in your mind? Well, I, I think the the race that could be very interesting to watch this year will be the Class 4A and Class 3A girls races. I think those two are going to be very entertaining races. Um, and those are the ones I have a little bit more of my finger on their pulse just because of some of the outstanding runners in this area. In the last year in girls 4A, we had a 1-2 finish by two freshmen. Uh, the Callie Lowe girl from Girard was the state champion and another girl, uh, she escapes me who it was, with another freshman that finished runner-up. And now this year, Santa Fe Trail has a freshman girl who's just been running great races, already has set her school record twice this season and, and has been running right on the heels of uh, the 3A defending state champion, Andrea Koger of Osage City. And I'm talking about Hannah Honeyman from Santa Fe Trail. You know, she has, has made an outstanding debut so far, and, and, you know, she could jump right in there and contend, and as well as Atchison's uh, Sarah Jaloma, a young girl up there who has really had a good season so far. So I think that 4A girls race has uh, has some pretty serious contenders. I think Baldwin as a team probably will be tough to beat and the Baldwin boys from what I understand uh, may have to uh, trip and fall all over themselves not to win the, the boys 4A title, which that's Baldwin. I mean, that's what they do. They, they have such a great cross-country program year in and year out, boys and girls. Mike Spielman over there just does a tremendous job with that program, but I think the 4A girls race will be a very interesting one, and 3A is going to be a really good race this year. Andrea Koger from Osage City, the defending state champion. The Hiawatha's Jordan Kuvogel is an, is an outstanding runner who last year, I believe, only lost to Koger in the state championship race. And then Hillsborough's Emily Seacrest is backed up from Class 2A, where she won last year and joins that mix, and she's a great runner, too. So I think that girls 3A race will be a very entertaining one as well. Well, as we talk, it's it's October the 9th. No, it's the 8th. I'm getting ahead of myself. But so we're only about three weeks away from that race. We got, you know, 6A, 5A, and 3A again is at Lawrence Rimrock, and that will be on October 31st. And the Wamego Country Club will host the 4A, 2A, and 1A races. Uh, if you want more details on why those dates are, are different this year, uh, check out Episode 3 of the Acacia Podcast as we explored that last week. Well, Brent, I appreciate you joining us. Uh, you obviously have a great grasp on on the football and some cross-country details in, in the state of Kansas. Uh, I know you'll be busy, and it just gets busier. So uh, thank you. And uh, Do you have a, a game this Friday that you're looking forward to? Well, I'm actually going to the Centralia-Rossville game up in Centralia, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because I, I just want to see – how Centralia, you know, they've, they've been a 2A power. How do they stack up with the 3A powerhouses? And, you know, they've played the Silver Lakes and the Rossvilles and teams like that during the regular season in the past, always really early in the season. So, you don't know, didn't, you know, it was just kind of a precursor to what they, uh, what they ended up doing in 2A. But, you know, I'm just really curious to see how they, 
how they step up to that challenge and, and how Rossville handles this challenge because Centralia is a program that just does every little thing right most of the time and, and don't do things to beat themselves. So, I mean, if Rossville goes in there and gets this victory and, you know, that's going to be a great hard earned win for them and, uh, it, it, it'll say a lot about Rossville as well. This will be interesting to see. Well, I guess before I let you go, do you have the Royals in the World Series? Um, no, I don't. I'm a Cardinal. I'm a Cardinal fan. I knew you I were a Cardinals, Cardinals in the fan. World. I have the Cardinals guy. in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it'd be entertaining to see uh, a replay of 1985, kind of fitting, since that was the last time the Royals were in the playoffs. And you know, this time we have uh, instant replay at our at our uh, disposal. <laughs> so uh, who knows? Who knows how things would turn out? <laughs> oh, the the media frenzy that will be if that happens. That'll be fun. Yes, yes, it will. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Brent. We'll talk to you later when basketball season, or maybe when some state championship events are are on their way. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks, Jeremy. As I said, make sure you get to his blog on the CJ Online and read the Prep for Success blog that he puts up and updates regularly about high school sports. That will do it for Episode 4. Be sure to keep a, an eye out for the National Activities a Week schedule of the 12th through the 18th. Uh, you can tweet what you're doing out there at each school. Use the hashtag BeActive. On the next show, we will sit down with David Cherry to do a Stuco wrap-up and get some insight clips from Judson Lapley. Uh, speech at East Stucco Regional Site. And then we'll also talk about our student advisory team meeting and the minutes that were set forth from those guys. And we'll be looking up at some sub-state matchups for volleyball and some gymnastics results as well from state competition. We'll see you next time.